Well, in the fall of 1994, I showed up and looked just like this. I don't know what happened to all of you, but I mean, gracious knows. I mean, I'm sure I haven't changed a bit, but some of you, and, and two, I have to tell you, some of you, it worries me. The first thing you said to me is, guess what? You married us and we're still married. Well, good. I'm glad. I mean, I have to say some of you, I was a little shocked when you told me, but still. No, it is always good to be with you and uh, to be here, especially today. On the 62nd, I believe is what you said, 62nd uh, homecoming here in the church. It's just a blessing to come and share God's word, to see many of you and to remember some things. And uh, I'll be emotional. <laughs> I knew I would. I apologize to you before we continue. All right, then. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13, if you would. Hebrews chapter 13, I did say, you know, we've all changed. Um, some of you for the better and some of you I won't say. But anyhow, we, we have all changed. And I want to talk today about changing to serve the changeless Christ. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 19, I'm going to read those. And then we're going to have sort of a well, launching verse to look at. Let me ask you to stand, if you would, in reverence to the reading of God's Word. Hebrews chapter 13, Beginning in verse 1. And you'll be familiar with the text, but yet I want you to look and see what God has to share with us today. Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them, and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor I will never forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. And considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. And then verse 8, I want you to focus here. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today. And forever. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods through which those who were occupied were not benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest is an offering for sin or burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Hence, let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that gives thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. And I urge you all the more to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Thank you. Be seated if you would. Verse 8, it tells us Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The problem we have in the life of church, not just this church, but all churches, is we get comfortable with the way things are. 
In fact, some of you are still sitting in the same pew you were in 1994. <laughs> I know they've been remodeled. They look different. But you remember where that spot was. And you claimed it. I'm sure the first service you walked back in here. Some of you are still parking in the same place. I was hoping to get one of your places, but I guess I didn't. Change is hard for us. Especially as Baptists, we can't spell change. When it comes to church, now we change. Some of you grew up without plumbing. I guarantee you got it now. Some of you grew up without air conditioning. I hope you've got it now. And odds are all of you have something called a cell phone. And there was a day where you didn't know what it was. But when it comes to the life of the church, we somehow or another get locked in and say, well, this is what we've always done. Friends, understand what I'm about to say. We must change to serve the changeless Christ. Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. But friends, things are different. People are different. And we must be willing to do what we can to reach everyone for Christ. So there's three things I want to talk about. As we consider changing to serve the changeless Christ. First, we need to remember the past. If we're going to consider change, we need to look back to see where we've been and, and look and see the things we can do from that and what we've learned from that and then how to move forward. We need to remember the past, our past leaders. In verse 7 it says, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. We need to remember past leaders. Now, were they perfect? No. Did they make mistakes? Sure. But friends, I believe with all my heart that every man of God that stood in this pulpit, every deacon that served in the life of the church, every teacher that's taught, there was a time in their life they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt God had called them to serve and to lead in this church. Brother Pitts, who I think got to be pastor here twice if I remember uh, the history Brother Avery, Brother Mark, Brother Andy, all come and serve and led and made an impact in the life of the church. And a multitude of staff. Friends, I want you to know, when you're, on, when you're the pastor of a church and you don't have any staff, you say, dear Lord, every day, dear God, if I just had staff, then God gives you staff. Then you say, dear Lord, why did you give me this? No, I'm sorry, that's not right. Pardon me. That, that wasn't nice. Great staff who served in the life of this church. Doing youth and music and, and a sundry and various ministries. And then the people of the church. Who understood, they may not be called to ministry as far as a full-time ministry position. But they knew the importance of serving. And still to this day, some of you are still serving. Friends, we need to remember our past leaders. Oh, but they hurt my feelings. Oh, oh, they made me mad. Well, then you need to practice biblical forgiveness. And remember past leaders. The history of this church, 62 years. There's a lot of leadership that's come. Some has gone. Some has stayed. But if we consider changing to serve the changeless Christ, we must remember our past leaders. And, and, and there's a long list. I'm not going to name them all because I'll forget somebody and then uh, you'll be in trouble. I, I'll be gone, but you'll be, you'll be in trouble. And so just understand the importance of past leaders. And I guarantee you, if you just take a minute and close your eyes, there'll be somebody's face that'll come to you. 
who made a difference. Past leaders. Although we also must remember past lessons. In verse 9, it tells us, Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for their heart to be good strengthened by grace, not by foods through which those who were thus occupied were not benefited. We need to remember the past lessons. Oh, that was a long time ago. Oh, oh that doesn't matter anymore. Friends, the Bible hasn't changed. Amen. You know, what it says is true, has been, is, and always will be. We need to remember past lessons. Maybe lessons you taught in vacation Bible school. I saw once again, you're like most of our churches, you're promoting vacation Bible school. In fact, how many of you here today have ever attended vacation Bible school? Raise your hand. Put them down. Let's just find. How many of you were saved at vacation Bible school? Anybody? Look at there. Look at there. Friends, we need to remember past lessons. Oh, that's old fogey. Oh, that... If it teaches a lesson, we need to remember it. Lessons about love. Lessons about service. Lessons about faithfulness. Oh, we, a whole message, Brother Cody, I know we could preach, and you could too, on faithfulness. If you say you're going to do it, do it. If you've committed, you're committed. Oh, but, oh, Brother Larry, you don't know my life is busy. Friends, my life's busy too. I'm the director of missions, the Southeast Baptist Association, over 33 churches. I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist in Brunswick. And, I, and as of last Sunday, well, they're officially voted today, but I think it'll work out. I'm going to be the interim pastor at the First Baptist Church of St. Mary's. I'm busy. But guess what? Doesn't matter. There are lessons that must hold true. And I can't say, well, because I'm so busy. You can't say, well, because I'm so busy. I'm going to slide that lesson or change that lesson or just do away. We must remember past Lessons that were preached from this pulpit, that were preached in those classrooms, that were preached on a youth retreat, that were preached in a mission effort. We must remember, and, and I will say to you, those who've been here a long time, you need to recite those lessons. Well, if they really cared, they'd ask. No, 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 no. You need, just like you show your grandkids pictures, Frank. Just like Mary, Mary Beth has got 112 grandkids. If you don't know, she'll show you all of them. It'd take her about five days, but she'll tell you about every one of them. But just, just like you do that, you need to share the lessons that you've learned in God's house. When nobody cares, you don't know. You don't, it doesn't bother you that they don't care to look at your grandkids. You're in line at Walmart. You got, oh, by the way, look at here. You show them. I guarantee you, Gail's got some pictures she's going to show you today. And please don't hurt her feelings. Please look at them because it'll, it'll bother if you don't. But we need to remember past leaders and we need to remember past lessons and we need to remember past labors. In verses 15 and 16 it says, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Oh, we need to remember past labors. Friends, we need to remember, you need to remember, I need to remember the, the works that have been done by others and also the works and the labors that I've been involved in and the impact they've had. 
One of the value, one of the, the blessings of moving back close to this area there in Brunswick from time to time, I'll run into people from here. I'll run into people. And it's amazing. I want you to hear as a church the, the, the difference things have made. I run into people from time to time and say, hey, you may not remember me, but I, I came through your judgment house. There was a minister called to one of our churches in the association, and lo and behold, he said, I know you. I brought my youth group back when I was on staff at this other church to your judgment house. I ran into one day a young man who said, you may not remember me, but I, I was involved in the fall festival that you used to do at your church. And if you remember, some of you do. We went to the fairgrounds and did it a couple of years there. And the cut ministry, I believe, is still functioning. Man, imagine the probably by now thousands of people's lives that have been touched by a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. Friends, I want to tell you something. Satan will convince you that what you do doesn't matter. It matters. Some of you have kept most of our children. <laughs> Thank you. Some of you never got to come to church because you were back there putting up with our screaming kids. I'll be honest and I'll say it. He's not here to defend us. We used to bring Jeremy here just to get away from you for a while. I mean, my gracious, the boy didn't sleep for the first three years of his life. It's like, it's Sunday. Praise God. Take him here. <laughs> Miss Eileen, Miss Jeanette, hold him. We might come back and get him. If we don't, we'll come by sometime. I mean, you know. In fact, I won't say who, but some of you loved our nursery so much, you just went home and left your kids, Mark and Gail. But anyhow... And, and just forgot them and, and forgot them. We had to go track you down and, and say, please come get your kids. But anyhow, understand the importance of remembering the past labors. So no matter what God's called you to do, you work in the nursery, you teach in vacation Bible school, you serve at the cup, you rode on the bus when you're picking up kids, you, you're involved in one of these. Remember, it made a difference in somebody's life. So if we're going to change to serve the changeless Christ, we first have to look back and remember some valuable moments. But we've got to move on. Homecoming is great. You come back and you, you reminisce. And, and that's what we've done. I'm sure that's what we're going to do. And that's all well and good. But friends, I want you to know, if we just live in the past, the world will pass us by. So we must remember the past, but then we must refocus in the present. If we're going to change the serve the change was Christ, we've got to look at some things now we need to address to make sure we are approaching and doing and serving as we should in three areas. First, we focus in the present when it comes to salvation. Verse 12, it says, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Friends, this church, the history of this church, and the focus of this church and every church and every believer and you may need to change. This may be an area you have to change. We need to refocus on the fact that we are involved in bringing people the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now is the time. Well, no, I'll do it when I get older. No, I'll do it when I'm better off. No, I'll do it when I... No, friends, we must refocus in the present on the fact that every man and woman, boy and girl, needs Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We must preach the Word, live the Word, teach the Word. The verses that you read say that. We must be an evangelist. The waters of baptism need to be stirred on a regular basis. 
Unfortunately, we have churches that, that the Baptists is where they store used furniture, used chairs, and old books. It's time for us to refocus on the present value, importance of salvation. So let's stop. If you're here today and you're lost, you go, man, I came for the food. Well, good. There's some back there, but you hold on. Well, I came because somebody made me. Praise God, they cared enough for you. If you're lost without Christ today, you need to be saved. You need to repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and forgive you of your sins. You need to surrender to let Him be the Lord and Savior of your life. You need to make a public profession of faith. We might rejoice with you. You need to be obedient believers' baptism. And you need to invest in the life of the church. We need to get back to salvation. So many of our churches are worried about the performance and how we look and where you stand. You, know, you stand there and you stand there and you raise your hand here and you count five and you step forward once and you do. And that's all. We want to do our very best. But at the end of the day, the goal is that somebody's heart is touched with the good news of Jesus. So I challenge us to be willing to change when it comes to refocusing in the present time about salvation. Across our country, uh, across the Southern Baptist Convention. Across Georgia, I can't speak for Florida because I don't get all your stats, but I get Georgia's. 70% of Georgia is lost. Did you hear what I said? Georgia. 70% of the population of the state of Georgia is lost. And yet if we're not careful, we come to church, we sit in our pew, we might sing, we might not. We, we, we drop a dollar or two in the offering plate and we gripe about how come God's not doing anything. Friends, we must refocus in the present on bringing people to Christ and sharing the gospel. But second, we must refocus in the present, and this is where I'll get in trouble, on, on sanctification, on living as we should. Look at verses 4 and 5. Let marriage be held in honor among all. Let the marriage bed be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers. God will judge. Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Friends, we must refocus in the present on sanctification. Well, what is that fancy word? We must refocus in the present on living a life that reflects Jesus. And I'll make it simple for you. If the Bible says you shouldn't do it, you shouldn't do it. I think that's pretty plain. Bible says you should do it. You should do it. Oh, well, but the Scripture's up for debate. No, it's not. Maybe for debate in your head. But it's not up for debate. And friends, lifestyle matters. Oh, I'll do what I want to do. Well, they took a poll and, and everybody in America thinks it's okay. I really don't care. Besides, friends, Brother Cole, let me ask you. Have there ever been any pollsters outside the doors of the church to ask them moral questions? No. Friends, I can get the answers I want if I run the poll where I choose. It's time for us as men and women of God to say enough is enough. It's time to stand and say, I, you know, as Popeye used to say, I've had all I can stands and I can't stands no more. Now that dates me, I know, but some of you will get that. <laughs> Friends, it's time to say we are going to live a life of purity. It's time for the man of God to stand in the pulpit of God and share the word of God. And it matters not who it hits between the eyes. It's time to say, thus saith the Lord. Oh, pastor, every pastor knows. You've had it happen. Every pastor knows where this is going. When a couple or a person comes to the office and says, Pastor, 
I know the Bible says this is wrong. And there here it comes. But... And they're going to tell you how God's going to make some exception that they can live in sin. And then they get mad when you as the pastor go, Hey, I'm sorry, that's not right. Well, I'll find a church where it is. And what's sad is they can find a church where it is. But praise God, this is not one. Friends, we must refocus in the present on salvation. We must refocus in the present on sanctification. Oh, Brother Larry, man, you just, you just going to get carried away. Friends, I am sick and tired. I'll just tell you. Today is my 44th ministry anniversary. First Sunday of May of 1975 was the very first day I began ministry as the minister of music and youth at the Marsh Memorial Baptist Church in Moscow, Tennessee. And friends, I want you to know I'm sick and tired of people to take God's word and water it down and then get upset when God doesn't answer prayer and God doesn't make blessing. We must once again live a life of holiness. We need to practice a word that America's done away with. No. No, I will not go with you to that event. No, I will not watch that movie. No, I will not read that book. No, I will not go to that event. No, I will not do this. I, oh, but all oh, you Baptists, y'all are all against everything. Friends, I've had the most blessed life I can imagine. But there are times you must say no. Because whether you know it or not, somebody's watching you. I told you what happens to me. Hey, didn't you pastor in Callahan? I'm going, yeah, I did. <laughs> Am I in trouble? I mean, what, you know, what's it in? Oh, man, you don't remember me. I'm so-and-so. And, -so, and y'all used to pick me up on the bus and brought me to your church. And, and now I'm a deacon in my church. And I'm married. And I got some kids. And, and I'm thinking, man, I, you know, I'm glad I was acting like I should. Friends, we've got to have a life that's focused, refocused maybe on sanctification. But also, if we're going to change to serve the change of Christ, we've got to refocus today. <laughs> On supplication, which is prayer. Verses 18 and 19. Pray for us. Oh, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. And I urge you all the more to do this. To do what? To pray. That I may be restored to you the sooner. But Cody, I heard this this week. We'll never have revival. Now, and I know because I know our churches. We'll never have revival to the crowd at prayer meeting is larger than the crowd on Sunday mornings. I didn't get any amens or nothing. I mean, golly, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, maybe you're different here. But I know in all the churches I minister with, there's a vast difference in the number of people that are there on Sunday mornings. And we, we know how Baptist life works. Sunday morning, eh, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And most of us have our prayer meetings Wednesday night. But just imagine if Wednesday night when we gathered in prayer was the night you couldn't get a place in the parking lot. Was the night that truly, you know, I don't know of any service. I know several churches that have multiple Sunday morning worships. I don't know of anybody that has multiple prayer meetings because they can't get them all in at one time. Oh, pastor, oh, I do pray. Good gosh, good grief, good Lord, let's see. That's what I pray. But every time I sit down, no, no, no. We need to pray. Oh, I don't know how to pray, but just talk to God. 
Well, God didn't know me. That's why you need to be saved. See, that's how that works. We need to refocus on supplication. We need to pray and pray specific. Dear God, if you wish to bless, God wishes to bless. Dear God, if you want to save somebody, He wants to save somebody. Be specific. Some of you, because I've been with you, some of you have gotten a doctor who said, man, you're, you're bad off. It's horrible. It doesn't look good. And we prayed. And you went back and the doctor said, I have no idea what happened, but whatever was wrong with you before, it's gone. I know what happened. God's people prayed. And God heard. Friends, you and I must be a people of prayer. Pray for the lost. Pray for the community. Oh, they know where the church is. The church is 62 years old. It's been right here pretty much for 62 years. There's a sign out there they see. Friends, we need to pray. Dear God, help me run into somebody today that I can tell about Jesus and I can share about my church and I, I can encourage to be a part of what God wants me to do. Well, we've got to remember the past if we're going to change to serve the changeless Christ. We've got to refocus in the present if we're going to change to serve the changeless Christ. And then now, friends, comes the best part. We need to relaunch for the future. Oh, I know some of you thought, I can take a break here. I'm too old to relaunch. No, you're not. Oh, I, I'm just, no, friends, you're never too old to relaunch for what God wants to do with you. The Bible's filled with characters who, according to their age, were way too old. And yet they did great things. So how can we relaunch for the future? This is where the changes are going to impact us. We can relaunch first. Now hear me carefully as I speak to you because I love you. We need to relaunch for the future through mending. Look at verse 1. Let love of the brethren continue. Hmm. If we're going to be all God wants us to be, now's the day, now's the time to make a change and to mend things. We need to love the brethren. Oh, well, you don't know, Brother Larry. You don't know what they did to me. Friends, I don't care what they did to you. The Bible makes it clear. There should not be one person in this building that if you sat down by them or they sat down by you, that you shouldn't be thrilled. There should be one person. You go, I can't sit over there. No, I can't get... Oh, I, I. Friends, we've got to mend if we're going to change to be all God wants us to be. We've got to say words that I know are hard. You go, well, they, they're the ones that did the wrong. Matters not, friends. I learned a long time ago with some of you. If you're hurt, you're hurt. I may not meant to hurt you. I may think, I don't know why they're hurt. I have no idea why they're hurt. But if you're hurt, you're hurt. And so you have to do this. Hey, Cody, I'm really sorry, man, but I hear you upset. I hate it. Didn't mean to bother you. Can we make it right? Yeah, but he ought to come to you. I, friends, I care not who comes to who as long as we get right. Then if he says, I don't care, I'm going to hate you till, till you die, well, then that's on him. I've done what I ought to do. We have got to practice mending. I go to our churches and, and sometimes when you go into a church and you don't know anybody, they don't know who you are either and so they're honest till they figure out you're there to preach for the day. It's amazing the things that have happened to Gail and I, you know, and, you know but anyhow, and you can hear them, ah, you know, so and so, can you believe they're over there? We have got to love one another. And that's not just for young people or for older people or for old people. We got to love 
Well, no, this goes right there. Let love of the brethren continue, which means it, it has been, and, and somehow or another it got stopped, so we need to continue. Well, there's some things that people do I don't like. There's some things that other people do that I don't like. I don't like people that have hair, but I still love them. I mean, I still, I pray for them and, and try to be nice to them, you know. I mean, in, in general, I mean, most of the time. We, we need to understand we've got to love one another. And I'll speak for you, Pastor, because I know there are times on Monday, because it's always Monday, there are times on Monday, you'll go into the office and close the door, say, Xander, don't anybody talk to me, don't you know, feel the phone calls, and you just weep. You just weep. Because, Lord, I don't understand. I, I got word that this family that I was so close to and that was so vital in life of the church, they're mad, and I don't know why. Friends, we need to focus and relaunch on mending. And so, you know, at the invitation time, maybe you ought to just come to the altar and, and, and say, Dear God, I'm, I'm sorry. But maybe what you ought to do is before you come to the altar is go to somebody and say, Hey, 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 I'm sorry. And they may go, What are you talking about? Well, you may not even be aware, but I know for a fact. And just tell them, Look, I know for a fact there was a time, and I'm sorry. Then, hey, would you come pray with me? Friends, there's no telling what would happen. You know, the next great revival in this nation might break forth from this congregation because we relaunched on mending. But second, we need to relaunch for the future through ministry. In verse 3 it says, Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them, and those who are ill-treated since you yourselves are also in the body. It talks about ministering, about caring. We need to relaunch for the future through ministry. Now, there may be some ministries that we've always done that are good and we need to continue. But I'll say it. I'll try to help you. There may be some ministries we need to quit doing because they don't work anymore. No amens. It happened again. I don't know. <laughs> but we need to relaunch some ministries and find areas to minister to people and to care for people and to touch people's lives. And ministry, and it requires a word that scares some of us, it's work. Some of you, I, I know because I remember when I was growing up, some of you think when you show up that all this just happens. It takes work. Brother Cody does not, last night, you know, on Saturday night, he does not at about 10, 30, or 11 o'clock, he does not open some special book that says sermon for the day and preach it. I, I, honestly, odds are he's like most. He reads God's Word. He looks at it. He walks through the Scripture. He asks God to show him what the, his church where he is needs, and he shares God's Word. It takes work. It takes work to get the music ready. I mean, you're very talented and very gifted, but odds are you do practice a little bit. It takes work. And I've, I've led some of you folks in this choir. It takes a lot of work. I know. Oh, my gracious. No, I mean, they're great people. We've got to relaunch for the future through ministry. And if you don't have a ministry position in the life of the church, you need to find your pastor, find your associate, and say, man, I need a job. I need to work. I've got a gift. I, I, I love children, or I, I love to sing, or I, I want to teach, or I want to start some... You know, I, the, the, I can tell you, the reason the cut ministry was began in this church is not because I wanted to do it. It's because some folks in the church came and said, you know what, I, I've got a heart to do this. And we did it. 
ministry. The, the best ministries in the life of the church are usually the ones that come from there. Not that we sort of force you to do. We need to relaunch in ministry. And then praise God, we need to relaunch through missions. In verse 13 it says, Hence let us go out to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. Friends, you as a church, we as God's people need to relaunch, need to be willing to change and get refocused and relaunch again in the area of missions. Unfortunately, I know in my area of ministry, I cannot remember the last time a young man or a young woman came and said, you know, I feel God's called me to full-time Christian service. Friends, we're, we're not... We're not Launching in missions. And yet I, I tried to write them down, and I'm not going to name it again because I'll mess up. That's what I can tell. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I can name 11 people right now that I know that are involved in ministry from this church. Why? Because you focus on missions. Some of you went on mission trips with me. We went to some interesting places. There's some stories there we will not tell from the pulpit. But we, we had a great time and we've gone different places and still doing missions. Uh, we had a group to Alaska 1st of April heading to Montana in the middle of June. But not just some trip. Oh, you just go on these trips to have a couple friends. It's work for one thing. If you've ever gone, you know it's work. But missions across the street. Vacation Bible School's missions. Teaching missions to children. That they understand who Annie and Lottie are and what home and foreign missions is and that God wants to use them. So that one day again and over and over and over again, this church and every church can say, man, we've got preacher boy here, we've got missionary there, we've got this young woman who's supporting this thing here and we can celebrate, but we've got to... We launched. If we're not careful, we just sit back and live in the past. I said, hey, past is good. Remember it, but we've got to move on. Got to move on. See, if I take my glasses on and then I put them back on, <laughs> you come back and focus. For some of you need to put on your spiritual glasses and get back and focus. And then all of us need to relaunch for the future of the church. 62 years is great. Wonderful. God's not done here yet. Oh, no, no, God's not done here yet. I'll tell you this because I run. People know where the church is because of the highway you're on. I can tell people all in the Brunswick, Camden County, and Glenn, there's Glenn and Camden and Brantley and McIntosh, four counties that I am involved in with those churches. And I can tell them, hey, you know, I, I used to pastor at, at Gray Gables, uh, or First Baptist Gray Gables, whichever term you use there in Callahan. Oh, yeah, that's that church there on the highway, yeah, with a ball field. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. People know where you are. And they know who you are. But did they know whose? You are. That you belong to Jesus. And you're on a mission. Friends, it's time to change. Every time I look in the mirror, I realize, man, something's happening. But I see some of you, and I praise God that I see you've changed. As God's molded you and blessed you and Broken you to rebuild you and placed you in this church. 
for this time. He called a man of God who spent some time in the church as a student and was led by some great student leaders and teachers and some of you. And, and I guarantee you, you didn't know that he was going to be your pastor one day. In fact, some of you thought, of all the people in the world, it'll never be him. He'll probably, he'll probably be where we start our prison ministry is going to visit him. I, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I know. But see, God has a sense of humor. And lo and behold, he shows up and you go, hey, isn't that the, yeah, that's that kid. Yeah, I remember him. Let me tell you something. The greatest blessing in your life, and I can say this from personal experience, the greatest blessing in your life is not having your name printed in the church bulletin. The greatest blessing in life is not having the newspaper come and do an article about you. The greatest blessing in life is, is not you, you got promoted at work or you are now got the big office on the corner. The greatest blessing in life is when somebody walks up and says, you changed my life. And you go, what? And to tell you why. And at the time you're thinking, man, it's just my job or it's just what I was called to do or, you know, the, the preacher made me do it. I mean, I don't know. I, I was just there. But So I challenge you today on the 62nd homecoming of your church that this time next year at the 63rd homecoming of your church, if there's an opportunity to share testimony, you can say, let me tell you what happened. I was at Walmart. I was at the fair. I was, I was just minding my own business. And somebody stopped me and said, you made a difference in my life. And friends, if that happens, there aren't enough seats in this place, aren't enough parking spots around, and God will be glorified. Let's pray together. Lord, as I stand here, it's hard to not get caught up in the emotions. It's hard to not remember things that are touching, that cause me to stutter and tremble. But Lord, it's not because of what I did or what the people I remember did. It's because of you. Oh Lord, I pray you'll bless this your church. I pray that in the days to come, word will come to me of how a revival is broken out that can only be described by miraculous and powerful and filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray for Brother Cody. I pray you'll strengthen him day after day after day as Satan tries to wring him out and wear him out and stretch him thin. I pray he'll find strength and comfort in you. And I pray that this fellowship will rally around him in such a way that he knows he's not in this alone. And Father, I pray right now 
that this invitation will be responded to. Those that may be lost will come to know Christ. Those that are seeking a church home will realize this is the place. Those that need to be obedient in baptism will come and say, please, please, I need to get baptized. And Father, I pray that if there's someone here that is saved, is baptized, is a member of the church, they'll look and say, where do I need to change? Where do I need to refocus? What name thing do I need to relaunch that I might be making a difference through Christ in this community? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.